Thank you for tuning in to A Greater Story with Sam Collier. We're calling this a radio podcast, a cool hybrid of talk radio and music. Real leaders, real talk, incredible stories. Thanks so much for tuning in to A Greater Story with Sam Collier. My name's Sam Collier, and I am here right now in Chicago, the home base of that incredible movement taking place in the urban faith community, All Nations Worship Assembly. And if you are a fan of All Nations or the All Nations Network, which is about at least 70 churches, y'all might be at 100 by now. I don't know what what y'all are doing then you know who this man is that I'm sitting with right now. In some circles, they say he's an apostolic overseer. Some circles, governmental prophet. Some circles, pastoral genius. I mean, what, what do we need to say? Dr. Matthew Stevenson, how are you? Can I'm I doing good, shake man. your hand? Thank you, man. It's an honor to be here. I'm a, it's an honor to talk to you. Well, listen, we kick off the show every time with the song. I got my Jordans on because... I felt like I was coming to be with you and I needed to I needed to be dressed appropriately.
And we believe as you say yes that he's going to start responding with a yes tonight. He's going to respond with an amen tonight. He's going to respond with an it is so tonight. Beyond what we can think, beyond what we can ask, he's able to do. He's able to go beyond. He's able to go before. Come on, let's lift it up, church. Y'all know it. This is what we say. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that, we ask all things. Lift it up, church. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that. Sing it out. Exceeded. Radio Awards. Yeah. Um, they asked me to present a man with an award. Right. And I'll be honest, I had heard of you, mm. but I had not heard. I had heard of all nations. And, mm. and so I'm reading the teleprompter. Mm -hmm. And as I'm reading in real time, I'm going, who is this man <laughs> that I'm giving this award to? Right. Um, we announce you. People are standing to their feet. Mm. Um, it's obvious your impact on Christian culture in that moment. I'm like, who is this? A couple of weeks go by, a couple of months go by. I'm searching Facebook. I'm seeing your face pop up. I'm like, who is this man right. preaching the paint off the walls in Jordans? Right. <laughs> With a lineup and right. like, and then I get a chance to meet you mm -hmm. in New York. And what, what was incredible about, New, incredible about New York was that I really didn't know what to expect. Yeah. And so I took a taxi Mm -hmm. Kind of on purpose. Didn't want, didn't want to do the Uber. I, I said, I want to come through the back way. And the line was wrapped around yeah. the building. Mm -hmm. Two to 3,000 millennials mm -hmm. waiting to get, I mean, what are y'all doing, man? Uh, that's a huge question. Um, <laughs> I mean, in short, I think um, God has afforded all nations a very sensitive and critical but timely opportunity to have a discussion with a culture that is either becoming different towards all things faith or all things church. And um, we've been able to, through our momentum, re-engage some critical pillars of fundamental Christianity and approach that has caused some interest, um, to say the least, you know. Wow. <laughs> um, we say around here that when your story connects to God's story, it leads to a greater story. Mm -hmm. So we try to have people on the show that are living in their greater story. Mm -hmm. That's you. Um, over 100,000 followers on Instagram mm -hmm. and I mean millions watching you almost every week from all around the world. Sure. But we know it didn't start where you are now. Oh, no. 70 churches later, yeah. 10 all-nation campuses. Mm -hmm. I don't want to 
give out, you know, the exclusive, right. but right. it might be 20 next year. Right. I mean, right. take me from little Matthew sure. up to Dr. Matthew Stevenson. How did, how'd you get here? Um, so I'm born and raised from Chicago, um, and I was born um, in actually the community of Inglewood. My father was a soldier. Mom was a soldier. Grandma was a soldier. Um, Inglewood, California. Inglewood, Chicago, okay. which is altogether different from right, Inglewood, right. Uh, California. Um, so I grew up there, um, huge nerd, um, the middle of four. And um, had a lot of turbulence around the teenage parent story. My mom was 18 when she had me. Um, and uh, her and dad never married, but they traveled and did a lot of the things that they did together because they were both military. Yeah. Um, I had a strongly saved prototypical textbook praying grandmother. Uh, I mean, moaning, groaning. Right. Um, that was really the anchoring of all of that phase of life for me. And so it was pretty bad, but it could have been a lot worse without her. So, and, and I was exposed to a lot, learned a lot, saw a lot. My mother, um, who is now an ordained minister who travels uh, the city preaching and stuff, um, was a fairly significant gang member in the, in the city of Chicago. And you, you ordained her? I did ordain her to the ministry. Yes. <laughs> I had the privilege of laying hands on my mom to ordain her into ministry. She had the privilege of showing me all things gang culture in Chicago. <laughs> so she was a part of, a, a, at that point in the 90s, um, a, a rather hostile gang um, in the city. And so I learned a lot, saw a lot, got exposed to a lot. Um, I was always very, very, very book smart. So I um, was pretty, I've never learned among other kids. So I've always been pulled out to be among the top or the elite or something like that. I did. My family is very athletic. My dad and brothers and stuff. I never did that. I was the bookworm. Um, and something happened to me in '97. Um, retracking. I grew up Missionary Baptist. So, and I mean, Dr. Watt, uh, uh, very heavy pro-black um, seminary scholar, heavy uh, Missionary Baptist. And my pastor, my family's pastor, is actually my maternal great great grandfather. So there were four generations of us. Wow in the same church. So it was my great, great grandfather was the founder and pastor. Yeah. Um, his daughter was my great grandmother. Her son was my grandfather and then my mother and then me, we were all in the same church. So in 97, I was baptized and, um, I had a knowing that I would never have a normal life. Um, oddly, it was just a weird knowing. I remember all of my social stuff being, um, I went into social interactions, even as a kid, knowing I won't be here long. <laughs> I, I'm not really like you guys. I'm just here for the banter. <laughs> um, so that was in 97. In 98, I told my great-great-grandfather at the time, who, not to sound funny, has been old all my life. I've only known him as an old man. So uh, this was 98, and he had to be in his late 80s in 98. And we come from a tradition where in that culture, you do not retire. So he was going to die in that seat and was determined to do so. And probably... Now that I think about it, died in or around that office, actually. So I told him in 98, I think I'm called to preach, Papa. And he was like, okay. 98. Yeah, 98, I told him. I was called to preach. And he said, are you? And I said, yeah, I'm supposed to preach. How old were you at the time? 98, I may have been 13. Wow. And um, he told me no. He told me to go back. <laughs> he said, you will wait six months. He said, how do you know? And I didn't know, no shade, that you were not supposed to tell a missionary Baptist fundamental 
Cajun-speaking, Creole guy, half French, that you were called to preach that early. So I told him in ignorance. <laughs> and I told him my voice talked to me. And he said, <laughs> he said no, uh-uh. He said, he said, God said everything he going to say in that word. Um, so not only did they believe that God didn't speak or give inclinations, they thought that if he did, he sure wasn't talking to you. So it was a thing of that. So I waited the six months. And in the following year, um, he allowed me to preach my first sermon. So that was November of 99. Um, I experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost by flirting around some Pentecostal circles, had a supernatural encounter in my home, started talking in tongues and all that stuff. And my world changed. So I, it was crazy. I had to break relationship because of that. I remember after that happened to me, I kept it a secret. Um, and I remember getting up to preach again and stuff came out that I didn't want to come out that I thought were examples that were what I would later know was words of knowledge about stuff going on that I couldn't know. Wait, real quick. Mm -hmm. People are listening. They're going, you spoke in tongues. Oh, absolutely. And you weren't just making up words. No. <laughs> How old were you at this time? This might be the following year, so it was between 14 and 15. 15, you, you're speaking in tongues, mm -hmm. like we hear about, mm -hmm. was it Book of Acts, I believe? Absolutely. Okay. As a Baptist, so okay. that, that gives context, because okay. we were not, Bishop Morton in the full gospel movement hadn't really embellished the way it would. So, and his, his motto is, the movement that gives the Baptist the right to choose. I was pre that era, so we didn't have the right to choose. And my church, for context of how stringent it was, when you walked into the door, you didn't see the name of the church. You didn't see a picture of the pastor and his family. The word no was the welcome sign. So you had this huge, I want to maybe seven foot sign that said no. And then there were small bullet points on what was not allowed in that church. So it was no women on the premises with pants. No gum chewing in or on the sanctuary. No children cry aloud. I mean, it had to be about the Ten Commandments of that church. Oh so I didn't know what to say yes to because you walked in with no and, and all of that. So that was the context of that. Oh my. Okay. So what happens next? I develop an intense love for the gifts of the spirit. So I want to figure out the backdrop is you got a guy in sixth grade. I was scoring 11th grade reading scores. I was getting scholarships to go places. So I had a, an inclination towards intelligence. So when this stuff started happening to me, my natural lean in was to start to study, investigate. So I would spend hours after school. The other guys were playing ball, um, and or other stuff. I was in the library on 64th, right off Cottage Grove. Um, burying myself in revival history. So I started as a black kid in the ghetto learning about Smith Wigglesworth and learning about Lester Summerall and learning about Paul Branham and um, William Branham and the Voice of Healing movement and all of that stuff because I needed explanation. And while I couldn't relate in experience, I could relate in revelation to what I knew was happening to me. And what those years and moments of study did for me give me language, I would be able to make the correlation. Oh, that's why that happens to me. Oh, crap, that's not deja vu. That actually is a gift. Oh, wow, I need to do that. Then I went into this period right in that 98, 99 phase coming into Y2K where I felt like I always call it that was the haunting of the Holy Ghost period. So I would be on buses, in malls, in restaurants, and everybody picked on me. When I knew it was real, I was walking to a restaurant. It was a homeless guy who called me by my full name. It freaked me out totally, candidly speaking. Matthew Stevenson, he was under the, uh, the Green Line Expressway. And I looked at him like that in horror. And, he, and uh, he said, you're called to be a prophet of God to nations. And you'll never be like your family. Say yes to God. I'll never forget it as long as I live. And I knew it could be the Lord. 
Because first of all, this guy was living in garbage bags and in trash and stuff. And there was no way he could have known who I was because I was nowhere near an adult. Call me by my full name. After that happened, every church I went into, every conference I snuck. I used to get on punishment, not for sleeping with girls and doing drugs and stuff. Now, I had my stunts. But uh, I used to get on punishment for going to conferences and stuff that my parents didn't know about. <laughs> for people listening and watching, um, you aren't just planting 10 churches. I mean, this is like the energy behind this thing mm -hmm. is insane. It's, it's a revolution, in my opinion. Sure in the urban faith community. I just want to give some context to, we're not just talking about, you planted a couple of churches. Yeah. It's millennials yeah. and, I mean, and it's even becoming even more diverse and sure. I think it's going to become all, all okay, what's next? <laughs> I just had to get that. that. That is what keeps me up at night. I, the wow. thing is, is I, as an, a, a linguist and a lover of language, one of my greatest frustrations is finding the words that accurately convey what I feel like the Lord is doing. And I lost them a long time ago. Um, when we broke the 1,000, the 2,000, 3,000 barrier, I was like, got it, make a church. Then when we started the multi-site thing, I'm like, oh, okay, well, multi-site movement thing, right. When we got the eight plants, in under two years, and all of them were minimal six, seven hundred. The largest one, two to three thousand. I was like, okay, we have a problem, and um, <laughs> it's a, a messy miracle, and I need to steward this. Messy. Yeah, um, because the way it works is because of the momentum, I'm always forced to be smarter than the moment and figure out. I'm always figuring out something with the management of it, and not just from a people systems logistics standpoint, but from an integral standpoint to hold fast to doctrine. Um, make sure that we're not so culturally sensitive that we're compromising what we believe, but also to make sure that we don't adopt inherited ooh, approaches to scripture that are not right. Um, so I got all of those challenges before me because I think truth is what's drawn them. It's truth. It's approach. Um, it's not being afraid to push the border borders and boundaries of what has been. And um, there's a lot that comes with that. But um, so to answer the question, <laughs> I don't know. People call it the denomination of the future. People say um, it's the future of the urban church. My summary is, yes, it's just the new normal. That's how I describe it. I think that what we're doing is strange now. In 50 years, it'll be the new normal. And I describe myself. I am a lot of things to a lot of people. And the way you experience me is going to differ audience to audience. I like to summarize it as I'm just a pastor to the unborn and mm. I am most effective with that audience. So whatever that looks like, I know that the people who need me most are not here yet. Mm. So I'm doing what I do for them. Mm. Mm -hmm. I'm about to run around. <laughs> um, what you guys are doing is just, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it in, a, in such a long time. Um, I'll ask you this, we'll close, because I can't, I want to keep you all day. Um, because I work at organizations like Orange, North Point, um, doing some things with Barner Research, um, Alpha International, mm -hmm. these are movements that impact all types of countries and we were just with um, Neil Ellis at uh, his um, 
denominational, if you will, mm -hmm. conference, sure. just there talking to him, seeing what they're doing. Yeah. I get to travel around a lot and see a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And the statistics would say that millennials are leaving the church sure. in droves. Yeah. Statistics would say that every year giving goes down. Yeah. Yet what you're doing is the opposite yeah. of that, which is why it's really crazy to me. Yeah. And so as I've been seeing this in a couple different pockets, really maybe only two or three mm -hmm. types of movements that are engaging the next generation at a high level, mm -hmm. um, they tend to be, and I'm going to say this mm -hmm. with uh, some guardrails around it with the you know hope that people won't take it the wrong way. Sure. They tend to be really connected mm -hmm. to an experience with God, mm -hmm. a much more charismatic approach. Sure so on and so forth. I've been going through things even in my own life, which I've shared with you privately, mm -hmm. just about um, God doing something, feeling drawn to pray for people more. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing people and there's certain, uh, why do I know this about, about you? And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and, and so just diving into the gifts of the spirit more, but there, there are a lot of people listening, going, I'm interested in that. Mm -hmm. Kind of afraid to say it. Sure. There are some people going, yes, I can't wait till we get back to it. Give us a textbook. Yeah. Understanding introduction, if you will, you, you're, you're an education sure. major at, <laughs> into the gift. I mean, the gifts, what, sure. what, what is it really? Is it real? And does the New Testament support it? Mm -hmm. And what does that mean for us today? So this is a hot spot of mine, <laughs> FYI. Um, I think I'll, I'll start here. I'll expodulate it, and then we'll close. Um, there's a couple of things that I believe connect the human race period, irrespective of age, race, creed. As controversial as this is going to sound, even religion, I think there's a couple of things that connect us beyond those divides. One of the things that connect us, especially in 2019, is hunger. But then that hunger is being turned into different directions, doing different things. If addiction is high in the city, it's really misused hunger. If ambition and celebrity and being willing to break records and or statistics is being pursued in an era it's hunger. Um, I don't know that traditionally the urban church has known what to do with it. Um, but we are at the apex, I think, in American culture of just hunger, of, of, of desperation and de deprivation. But here's a caveat. It's not for logic. We, we, we've come out of several decades where we've had a surplus. I mean, just we're full of logic. We're full of reason. We're full of rationale, full of answers, discussions, debates. The pendulum swings. One of the things that we don't really see is an opportunity to both powerfully but pragmatically present God in real time that has nothing to do with a conversation from a guy with his interpretation of a scripture that may or may not have any relevance. My belief is the Holy Spirit, the third member of the, of the triune Godhead, is the angle and the ministry of God whose whole ministry is earth-based. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. The sovereign is on the throne. The Holy Spirit's whole job from Genesis on back was handle, steward the earth. In Genesis, the Bible says, and the spirit of God hovered on the water and we never found where he left. People act as if, you know, the Old Testament thing was just God and, and mankind, but there was no plan of redemption, no plan of encounter. But you find really 
consistently throughout all 66 books that Jesus Christ was eager, passionate, thirsty to get to the human race. Um, I have a bunch of controversial theological views about that, but I don't think the New Testament was the first appearance of the Messiah. I think he made several appearances. Daniel's lion's den, uh, Jacob wrestling with the angel. He said, I saw God and Jesus is God. He looks like God. He is the son. In short, I think that when the, the covenant of grace, the aeon is the word, but it's age of grace became active after the death of Jesus Christ. It gave every human being the right, the potential, the possibility to experience God through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how we experience him. That's even how we comprehend the Bible. Without the Holy Spirit, the Bible is another history book um, that takes the Holy Spirit almost to fall in love with it and to comprehend it integrally. Um, I'm a strong advocate that there is nobody, black, white, straight, gay, Muslim, Republican, Democrat, that is beyond a real direct word from God. I think every heart breaks when God identifies, deal with, speaks to, expresses his opinion and plan for their lives. Even if we were to go to the other side of things, we want to go to the occult, we want to go to psychics and stuff like that. All human beings have the same questions. Who am I? Why am I here? What's going to happen in my life? Um, so they're even going in those directions, trying to figure out tomorrow's answers today, which is why we have the gifts of the spirit. People want to know how to handle tomorrow. And uh, unfortunately, if we only leave them with explanation and no demonstration, it does not adequately prepare the human experience for tomorrow, whatever it is. But God, since before the Old Testament, as we know it, has been demonstrating his mind and will prophetically, vocally, dreams, visions. They were all very reliable sources of stuff. The bad part is because of no, you know, it's interesting that if you want to be a missionary, if you want to be a teacher, if you want to be an evangelist, we've got buku curriculum, buku opportunities, trainings, outlets, I mean, internships. No such thing exists for the integral use of the gifts of the spirit. It's like, if you have these gifts in you, good luck. You get to go and figure it out on your own. You know, at the seminary level, you can't go in and say, how do I manage dreams and visions. They would much rather teach you Greek and Hebrew. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All things as they are, though, wow. the gifts of the spirit uh, as manifested in Acts chapter two, in first Corinthians chapters 12, 13 and 14, Jesus said in Mark 16, he that believed in his baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned in my name. They will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick. So Jesus himself sets up a precedent for what it was going to take to disciple nations. Um, I think the, the, the fear of extremism. So because we saw an era where there was all demonstration and no foundation, no explanation, no interpretation, that there was another regime that came in and said, let's pull this in. Um, because, you know, if you get so spiritual, you're going to blow up. If you get too logical, you're going to dry up. So let's bring this all in the middle and get a hold of it. But the problem is we lost a whole generation because we were preaching a God we could not prove. So this is what Paul said in the book of Romans. I fully preach the gospel wow. to you with signs following. <laughs> what in the world? This is why they line up around that building. Yes, sir. <laughs> Humbly speaking. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I'm not afraid to prove who I preach. 
I could talk about the gifts of the Spirit every day for the rest of my life and never run out of content. So you got you to gotta narrow me in. I mean, which ones you want to talk about? Oh, um, that was insane. Uh, I think I'm a close. Okay. <laughs> I did it. Because that was incredible. Before I close, though, sure. um, in, an, in an attempt to follow the Spirit in this moment, um, I was with you in New York. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Mike, who's here. Exact COO. Shout out. He's a genius. Um, when I was, I was with you in New York, and I, I was in, in your, um, I don't know, atmosphere for, before you came out. Mm-hmm. And some, an all-nations thing that you do is you play videos, you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. things from pre-show. previous worship, pre-show. Right. And by the t- before the band came out, mm-hmm. the count, countdown clock was on. Mm-hmm. It got to around two minutes. I almost couldn't even stand up. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? The spirit was so high. Right. I went out and told my wife. I said, well, I, where, would I, where, would I, where was I at? Um, and then that next Sunday, I'm preaching and I'm seeing stuff. I'm like, what rubbed off on What'd me? What did you do to me? I'm like, what? Yeah. And so a friend of mine who kind of has some more experience with the gifts, and he said, you know, I, you know, and I was explaining to my counselor who is, uh, she's Christian, but they don't really deal in the sure. spirit, but she's phenomenal. Yeah. And so I'm explaining you know, Apostle Matthew Stevenson. And she was like, Apostle? And so she's trying to understand the name because that's not what they do in that specific denomination. And I say it simply means, you know, he walks in the office of that. You know, we talked about the fivefold ministry, so on and so forth. And so I started naming modern day apostles. Andy Stanley, he's Mm -hmm. got 75 churches. Craig Rochelle has, you know what I mean? That's what this, you know, it's just, we just put the name on it. So, but what he was saying to me is that when you encounter someone with that type of gift or in those gifts, it can tend to unlock different things within you. So I want to ask you to pray. Sure. Um, I think people are listening in. I know white, black, Asian, Hispanic. I mean, this thing doesn't stop um, that are going, I identify with what he's saying. And I think, I just think that in your prayer, there may be some things that can be unlocked. Sure. And all of us that probably should be. Sure. Am I right? Absolutely. Can you pray? Absolutely. Can you do whatever you do? And, uh, <laughs> and then we'll close. Yeah. All right. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, first of all, for who you are, for what you do. Holy Spirit, you are the intelligence of the Godhead. And, and we need you in America, in the church, in every stream, in every realm. We need you more than we've ever needed you before. Father, I'm asking that for the thousands of people watching this, that you would begin to stir, even as it were, a hunger, a, a discontentment that's only as big as you, a God-sized void. Will you begin to stir that in them, that these men and women will begin to do their due diligence to research and review what you've given them? Father, begin to check every dormant ability, everything that they came to the earth with and everything that you've destined them to have to cause them to excel in ministry. I pray for every apostle, every prophet, every evangelist, every pastor, every teacher. Lord, will you endow them the more for the culture, for the nation, for the moment. Help us, Lord, to manage this moment in history well by being those that demonstrate your power without apology and that demonstrate and manifest your reckless love throughout the nation. We love you and we appreciate you for this by faith. In Jesus' name, yes. amen. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to A Greater Story with me, Sam Collier, and the amazing Dr. Matthew Stevenson. Here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to look out for all nations. Something is happening and it's happening through all nations and a lot of different movements, but specifically all nations as well. Um, remember this, when your story connects to God's story, it leads to a greater story. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, man. Peace. All right, guys. So let's, let's settle down some. We need you to sing this song with us. Listen up, listen up. Out of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time. With no point of reference, he spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of life. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born, and the vapor of your breath, the planet is born. If the stars were made to worship, so high, I can see your heart in every.
Listening to a greater story with your host, Sam Collier. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five star review. A greater story with your host, Sam Collier. Distributed by American Urban Radio Networks.